Father, we pray for this hour of prayer and this hour of worship, Lord. In your presence, we pray that, Lord, you have your way in our hearts. Have your way in our lives. Do that which only you can do. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, welcome in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank God for being here. It's the will of God that we are gathered in His presence this evening. So, but we know that the goal of Christianity is Christ-likeness. The end of our journey of following Christ is to eventually become like Christ. Amen? So no matter what the world around us is going after, no matter what every other person is pursuing, no matter what is moving the world, no matter what is reigning at any particular point in time, what is reigning for Christians always is what? Christ-likeness. To be like Christ. To become more and more like Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. May the Lord make this our life goal. In Jesus' mighty name. I pray that the Lord will protect us from every distraction. Because... The, the devil has crept in to deceive many. You remember that scripture in Matthew 24? When the disciples asked Jesus Christ, Sir, what will be the sign of the end time? When will these things be? How will we know that it's time for you to come? What was the first thing Jesus says? He said, take heed that no man deceive you. The first sign of the end time is actually deception. A lot of people will be deceived to pursue many different things. May the Lord help us to keep our focus on Christ and none other. The Bible says that God determined the destiny of Christians before. He called it predestinations. That those he foreknew, he predestined. The already determined destiny of you and I is to become like Jesus Christ. Anywhere we are. In the church, in the hospital, in the market, in the office. Anywhere we are to become like Christ. Do you know it was so bad that years after Jesus Christ died, they looked at some people. And see that these people behave like Christ. And they call them Christians. Hallelujah. I don't know if people in your office can look at my life and look at your life. And having known Christ, they will say, Kai, Brochind behaves like Christ. He's a Christian. You know, this year, we are preparing to meet our God. And you know, all the teachings that have come have shown that actually God is coming on a daily basis. Amen. So it's prepare to meet thy God per second, per minute, per moment. 
And that is why this evening we'll be considering a topic that says accountability in life. Can we say it together, please? Accountability in life. Again, accountability in life. So accountability is what we already know. To be accountable in this life. God desires to have integrated Christians. People in whom there is no difference between whom they are on Sunday morning in church and who they are on Monday morning in the office or who they are on Friday evening during the weekends. Integrity. People in whom there is no dichotomy between what they say and who they are. God would like to have us become integrated children. He doesn't want to have part-time Christians. People who are Christians on Sunday, but on Monday when you come to their office, you hear unprintable things that Christ has done. That will not be a portion in Jesus' name. I said, may the Lord take away every dichotomy, every division in our life. Your words are going one way, but your life is going another. And the Lord has led us this evening to consider how accountability can help us achieve integrity as human beings. I think it was Miles Monroe that said that if the people who know you the most, people that really know you, if they are the people that respect you the most, then indeed you are a respectable person. If those who know your ins and outs still respect you very much, then you are indeed a respectable man. So this evening, we are looking at how can accountability help us to prepare to meet our God. And each of us, we know that accountability is a good thing. You know, everybody loves accountability. Amen? Part of what is uh, holding our nation to where we are is lack of accountability. Amen? Amen? When people can trust you, or maybe people give you small money, that's Obelego. And they know that you will give account that is truthful. Amen. Everybody loves accountability. The only thing is, let it not be me, let it be another person. Recently I was driving, you know, in this Enugu around one traffic light. So it has become a, the one Shalom calls Amber. She keeps telling me it's not yellow, that is Amber. So... So when he gets to that 54321, I try to start slowing down. So if I might decide to speed and the red will cut me off. So I'll just start slowing down. But you find out that sometimes people behind you are hooting behind you, just honking. And sometimes they just drive rough and pass. So one day, somebody drove like that and passed me. And immediately he passed me. He didn't know that some policemen were already parked there waiting for him. As he just beat the red light, he just went straight and blocked the guy. So when he was eventually green, I was first and I saw them, I was looking, I said, yes, in my heart. 
I was saying yes. We all love accountability when it is not us that is being held accountable. But if it's me now that beat the red light and police catch me, I'll be asking God for mercy. I'll be desiring grace and mercy. So accountability is like what we know that is good, but we don't like it to be us. Hallelujah. But you know, God loves us too much to leave us wallowing in things that destroy us. So this evening, we want to briefly just look at this issue of accountability and how it can help us in life. There are a lot of things we can account for. I know we all know it. Because some people might think, what will I account for? What do I have that I'm to give account of? Everybody here is loaded. In fact, there is nothing that you have today that has not been given to you by God. Amen? It was John the Baptist that told them that no man receives anything except it be given to him from above. So every single thing you have today is a gift from God. The life you have is a gift from God. The talent you have is a gift from God. The time you have is a gift from God. And these are all things we need to be accountable for. The resources God has placed in your hands, it's possible you have some money in your pocket now. Maybe you have some others in the bank. Alright? Let's say Jesus comes now. Let's say just imagine that Jesus just comes to our church and calls you. Chidimma, how much do you have in your account? You say, you look at your last. What is that amount doing there? You know, I keep wondering, the day the rapture will occur, will I have 100 million in my account stashed? What, what will I tell God? Alright, so you need to, we need to live life critically reflective of the way we spend our life. And whether it pleases God in line with His will. Don't copy the world. All we need to follow is Christ. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. So while trying to meditate on this topic, I found that there are different levels of accountability. The first one I saw was personal accountability. Can we say it together? Personal accountability. I found a scripture to help me in John chapter 16. Can we go together to John chapter 16? If you're there, please read for us from verse 5 to 11. John 16, 5 to 11. Your hearts are full of sadness, but I am telling you the truth. It is better for you that I go away, mm-hmm. because if I, if I do not go, the helper will not come to you. Mm. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. God bless you. So read the next verse, please. Let's see actually some of the details of what the helper will do. And when he comes, mm-hmm. he will prove the people of the world that they are wrong about sin One. and about what is right Two. and about judgment, God's judgment. 
They are wrong about sin because they do not believe in me. That's one. They are wrong about what is right because I am going to the Father and you will not see me anymore. Mm. And they are wrong about judgment because the ruler of this world has already been judged. God bless you. Amen. So you see, the first level of accountability is that which the Holy Spirit in the heart of a believer does. You see, friends, if we are truly led by the Spirit of God, this is level one. I was um, discussing with a friend in the office a few days ago. So he kept telling me, because a, a lot of issues had happened in the country, and I was telling him to be careful about making conclusions about men of God, especially given what is written about them in the print media, uh, television media, or social media. So he was telling me that actually, that any public disgrace is a symptom of an old personal fall. That for many of these people that follow God, before a public fall, that there must have been an issue that the Holy Spirit was dealing with in their lives to which they were non-responsive. So when he raised that matter, I came to the scripture to seek clarification. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin. And he will remind the believer that Jesus has made you righteous. Many things you can put your hand into and the Holy Spirit warns you, brother, this is not right. That is the first person that God has sent to make sure you enter heaven. You see that Holy Spirit that keeps on reminding you that you have been made righteous with Christ. This is not you. This thing you are engaging in is beneath your level. That is God's first line of accountability. The Holy Spirit keeps telling the believer, this, this and this you are doing, they are wrong and turn away from it. What does the believer need? Repentance and then forgiveness. Amen? So, forgiveness is predicated on repentance. Hallelujah. So, a lot of believers think that forgiveness is based on a, on just sobriety, just feeling remorse. Just feeling sorry. I mean, or even confession. A lot of people believe that forgiveness is based on confession. And not really. John the Baptist preaches that when you repent, you then obtain forgiveness. So, forgiveness is actually based on repentance. That's a change of attitude towards sin. Maybe there are still some numbers you have in your phone. A man has been disturbing you. Perhaps he's paying your school fees. You still have him on the back burner. And you are in church crying, Oh God, forgive me. Forgive me. God is in your heart. He can we plan him also by tomorrow and next week. You've not repented. So when the Holy Spirit reminds us of a wrongdoing, Hey, he expects us to reset entirely 
and go back to God and cry, Lord, I need more love for you. I need to love you more. It's an issue of the love between our heart and the heart of God. If not, you'll be trying to change yourself at the level of your actions. And it will get you frustrated. Go back to God and cry, Lord, more love, more power. You will see that in Revelation chapter 2. I think it was the church at Ephesus. That God actually told them that if you are not careful to return to your first love, I will actually come and remove your lantern. That's like terminal judgment. If you are not careful to return to your first love, I will remove your candle. If you ask me of all those churches, that was the greatest threat. There was one, the lukewarm one, he said he would spew them out. But this one, he says, I will remove your candle from its place. May the Lord help us to return to love in Jesus' name. But I found from my life and from discussing with a lot of brethren that um, when you keep disobeying the Holy Spirit, after some time, it's as if he stops speaking. I don't know if it has happened to you. There's a matter that God has been raising. Maybe it's football on Saturday. You know, Premier League starts around 12.30. After Man U, by 3, they start Arsenal. After it, by 6, they start uh, Chelsea. After it, they switch to Spanish League. By the time you get a cliche ball on Saturday, 11.30, that's even daily. You'll be walking like a, a broken man. And I'm like this. Oh, Lord. Come down and manifest. You are walking home. And maybe God has been raising that matter. Year in, year out. And after some time, it's as if God didn't stop. Your heart had become um, used to it. How do I? There's a, your heart has, has lost sensitivity to that one. And when a believer reaches that level on a matter, the second level of accountability comes in. Can we look at relational accountability? Can we say it together? So when we refuse to hear the voice of the Spirit in us, God actually has a number of options. If you read Amos, I challenge you to take time to read Amos chapter 4. <laughs> you see God doing everything possible to get the attention of His people. From that chapter, I learned that there are actually two types of judgments. There is the sort of temporary or corrective judgment. But there is then the terminal one. So you see God talking in Hebrews about discipline and love. He tells you that when I come and bring some things your way to discipline you, it is a proof that you are still a loved son of mine. You see, rejoice when you are disciplined. God began to say that I made you sick just to make you pray. Yet you didn't pray. You ran to Park Lane. He says, I blocked rain and made your ground unproductive just for you to seek me. Yet you didn't seek me. You went and imported a rice from Kotonou and did everything, started irrigation. I said, okay, all the fruits you produce, I caused people to come and steal them, locusts, just for you to return. Yet, you, from verse 1, God kept struggling to catch our attention. I'm talking about the role of relational accountability. 
Can we go together to Ecclesiastes chapter 4? So one person help us with Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Another person help us with Ecclesiastes chapter 4. You read verse 9 and 10. Please, once you find, just stand and read, please. Galatians 6 verse 1. God bless you. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you are you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. God bless you. Please, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 9 and 10, especially 10. Two are better off than one, because together they can work more effectively. If one of them falls down, the other can help him, can help him up. But if someone is alone and falls, it's just too bad, because there is no one to help him. God bless you. So King James puts, you see that thing, it's just too bad. It's as if God is helpless. King James says, woe to him that is alone. Because when he falls, there's nobody to help him up. You see this cover, cover life you are living. It's going to get you in trouble. You want to live shrouded, secluded, clandestine, covered life in church. Then how will you get help? Relational accountability, it takes maturity. Because it's a point where you now open up your life and allow trusted brethren to know what you are going through. You saw the way Galatians put it, because none of us is perfect. So when you are highlighting where someone is feeling, you do it gently, watching for your life, lest you also be tempted. The apostles were asking Jesus Christ, Nay, because, uh, we've heard it before. Is it actually true that those that will enter heaven will be few in number? What did he tell them? Take heed that you yourself will enter. Relational accountability. At a point in maturity, you will need to take deliberate steps to find accountability partners. People that you can stand with and can stand with you. People that will call you and how and ask you how far. People that will know your weaknesses. People with whom you are not afraid to sort of bear your life without hiding anything. People that will know that spending money is your weakness and call you and ask you, how did you spend your money this week? Brethren that check your phone and see pornography in your phone and collect that phone from you and give you a Nokia touch and keep monitoring how you are doing. There's no such thing as a solo Christian. I know we heard before that Osa Aleze, Bunisi Nisi, you know, it used to be a popular saying, I mean, as if it's, we are competing. Eh, eh, we are not competing. We are running individual, but we are in need together. There's no such thing as you love the Father yet. You don't love him. It doesn't exist. Apostle James says, then you've not met the Father. You didn't meet him. Relational accountability. You see it all over the scripture. You see it with Jesus, James and John and Peter. He takes them aside. He has a close circle of people with whom he is open. He will tell them, brethren, pray for me. That's Shukuna, God himself. When he came down in flesh, he needed close brethren to pray for him. 
relational accountability. The one that occurs when you have a challenge and a brother notices it. Or you go to a brother and share, this is what I am going through. The same friend that I was sharing with in my office, he had a challenge. He had a frequent bowel movement. So in a day, he might go to, he might use the toilet up to ten times. He was losing weight like broomstick. I, I think there, there was a background of something, you know. But I could see that immediately he finishes eating, he will need to. Brethren, he shared it with me. What did I say? He shared it with me. What did I say? He shared it with me. That trust was built over time. We've been in the office together for about five years. And I share such things with him. And he also shares with me. So I told him, bro, that uh, there's a small prayer meeting I, I attend though. And can you come? Let's believe God together for this thing. But I told him that, you know, when you come, it's the spirit that leads us. So whatever you see, you take. <laughs> Amen. So the brother came for the prayer meeting. It's an all-night sort of meeting. You know, but it's an open meeting. Anything can happen. So he came with a prayer burden because he had been having diarrhea for days. And he was becoming skinny. So when we started, we started opening prayer, opening worship. And then somebody just brought him book. I think one hymn. We started from that hymn. Started going into the scripture. So he was still waiting for when the prayer time will come. He was still... Ah, ah, Small time, five o'clock in the morning, daybreak. I, the brother said, Kai, that he was almost disappointed. You mean we didn't pray again today? I, oh. You know, but I told him, remember, that, you know, I told you that this is the Holy Spirit's meeting. We may not pray, we may sing all through. You know, from that morning, Saturday morning, till today, he has not passed one loose two. He's getting to two to three months now. Through the discussion of scripture, God moved in his life. We are talking about accountability partners that will assist you in running the race. You will find it amongst Peter, um, Apostle Paul, Silas, Barnabas. At a point, John Mark, they had such group. Sometimes when they are troubled, the Bible says they will go back to their company. And they, when they finish, boldness will come upon them like a lion. Amen. They say if you want to travel fast, travel alone. But if you want to travel far, travel in company. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. So occasionally these are also people that you can tell your life goals. If you hide your goal in your heart, it's easy for you just to cruise along life, maybe absent-mindedly. But if you share your goals with some people, somebody will be reminding you, ah, ah, but you said you were going to achieve this this year. Ah, ah, what of that, your dissertation? Have you finished? So it also helps us to be accountable even in the things of this life. Amen? So I found a third one. Um, I didn't know what to call it, so I just called it special accountability. Or you can call it external accountability. I found um, the scripture in Ezekiel 33. So, um, so you remember that, of course, the Jews sinned and God decided that they were going to go on exile. 
And a foreign king came and destroyed all of them and took them away to Babylon. You know about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abadnego, Daniel, and all that. Actually, Ezekiel was one of those guys. So God actually called Ezekiel. If you look at chapter 33, because of our time, we may not read from verse 7 to 11. You find God telling Ezekiel that, say for instance, I hire you as a watchman to watch the walls of a city. And evil is coming. Alright? And you do not sound the alarm that an army is coming. People may die, but their blood will be where? On your head. Because you are the watchman. You see, but on the other hand, if you see evil and sound the alarm, and the people still die, both their sin and their blood will be on their head. God now told Ezekiel, brother, I'm making you a watchman. So that was actually Ezekiel's job. To help to hold Israel accountable to God. This is also the type you find in First Peter, I think chapter 3 or chapter 6. Like pastoral accountability. Where an issue is troubling your life and you know it is eating you deep. Rather than continue to live a secret life, always worrying about the day somebody will find out. How can you live in such anxiety? You run to a pastor in this church and say, Sir, see what I've been going through for years. And trust me, you will not be the first person to come to them. An attribute that was found in David was honesty in the place of prayer. Honesty in the place of prayer. God confronts him with his weakness. He falls down and says, Father, look at me. I don't know how you have structured your life to live. The Bible says that we are stewards of God's precious mercies. The life you have is not your own. The children are not yours. The money is not yours. There is nothing you have that you have not received from God. We are just mere stewards. The relationship between us and our children is a temporary worldly arrangement. Essentially, they are all children of God. During eternity, you will see that individually they are sons of God and daughters of God on their own accord. We are just stewards. The money we have, stewardship. And there is one key thing that is required of a steward. That a man be found what? Faithful. I want to ask, are you faithful in stewarding the resources God has placed at your hands? Are you too busy to preach? Are you too busy to preach the word of God? I met a brother about last month. He was looking for a job. He, he, he needed a job. But someone told me that by the mercies of God within New Heaven, that he had led up to 2,000 people to Christ. He goes for evangelism every Saturday morning. What more job is greater than that? We are talking about accountability. Our text is actually in 2 Corinthians 5.10 that God will bring every single action 
into judgment, whether it be good or bad. We find the evidence in Revelation, I think, 2011, where it says that everybody gathered all nations of the earth and the books were opened. And the book was opened. And guess what? The people were judged out of that which were written in the books where the works of men were written. To live ready, we need to have a mentality of constant accountability. As I meditated, my brethren, the one that struck me most was relational accountability. God will have us live open, transparent, honest lives. It may be your men's fellowship group. It may be your women's donor fellowship group. It may be two or three people from that midst that God is leading you to, to become sort of open to and become accountable to each other as we are both accountable to God. It will help us to be ready and be prepared at any time. See, how do you account for all the rema, all the word of God you heard from this altar? Week in, week out, Sunday in, Sunday out. We are being blessed by the words of prophecy and the words of teaching. How do we account to God for that? You think God wastes resources? Can we rise up to our feet to pray? Please begin to talk to God. Begin to talk to the Holy Spirit. God wants to bring us to a place of maturity. A place of integrity. Where our lives are integrated. Where those who know us, know us. Reputation and character are not the same thing. Reputation is the one we know. But character is the one you truly are. God wants to bridge the gap between these two in our lives. It starts with accountability in life. Openness. Transparency. Honesty. Can you talk to the Holy Spirit? Say, Spirit of the living God, make me to be like Jesus Christ. Remove darkness, dark corners. Remove sin from my life. Remove besetting sins from my life. Weights, unnecessary habits that lead eventually to ungodliness. Remove these things from me. Can you pray to the Holy Spirit? Pray to Jesus this evening. The mediator of the new covenant. Can you pray to him? Thank you Lord for reminding us that for Christ that has come and died for us questions will be asked about the way we have used the privilege concerning the children you have given unto us that you will ask questions concerning those you have brought our way you will ask questions concerning the fact that we say we are Christians that we need to be accountable Father help us help us Lord that we may truly be accountable that at the end Lord we will rejoice in heaven and we shall be partakers of that glory and we shall share in the crown of life thank you Father 
for answers to our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise the Lord.